Hey guys, welcome back to River City Nerdcast, episode 6. I am just back. I got two things I want to talk about today. Uh, one is Avengers Endgame, and the other is Game of Thrones, episode 3, The Long Night. I just want to start this episode by saying spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. If you haven't seen Avengers Endgame, there's a lot of people who haven't. There's a lot of people who have. Uh, there are some people who don't have any access to HBO or they can't torrent uh, the episode. Please watch those uh, pieces of media first. Then come back and listen. Feel free as well to subscribe on the Anchor app. Uh, I'm also on Spotify, Apple Playlist, uh, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. So go ahead and do that. So like I said, this is probably going to be a really long episode. Let's just jump in with uh, Avengers Endgame. So we finally made it. Uh, just like my last podcast said, uh, it was I, I released it Thursday, so it was day of. Uh, I did go see it uh, in the evening, 1030 it was it was amazing. I will just start off with the overall point and say that that movie was everything that I needed from um, the end of the Infinity Saga. It was just it was great. So um, let's just let's just go on with it. It's a uh, twenty days after the events of Infinity War. So the the time jump that everyone was worried about in the trailers, uh, you don't get that. Uh, it starts right after, and um, we get. Basically, Tony Stark in space, uh, and he does leave the uh, the note, and he does say, or not necessarily the note, but he is is talking to Pepper, uh, saying that you know basically what happened in the last twenty days, uh, and he's saved by um, you get a lot of back and forth banter, but he is eventually saved by Captain Marvel. Um, and he's brought back to Earth, and he has a lot of, uh, you know, he looks very malnourished, he looks very um, dehydrated, and he goes off on Captain America once uh, every uh, everybody who's at the compound uh, is there, and you you kind of get that that whole. Um, that whole like you can you can hear it in his voice you can you can see it on his face how disappointed he was um that he he lost peter uh he lost uh against thanos and he was trying to figure out like what to do and uh i just remembered that before all of this happened the intro of the movie was it was a a very very um it was a soft intro but it was um Clint Barton Hawkeye he was uh at his at uh you know at his on his property as we've seen in uh Avengers Age of Ultron with his family and he's teaching his daughter how to shoot an arrow and uh once uh you know once she hits her bullseye uh you know she walks off she pans off like she's off the screen and uh, they do the 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 kind of like the motion cam where uh, Clint turns to see his daughter, and you see like the dust. 
and uh, he turns around to, you know, uh, he's, he's looking for his daughter, thinking she might have, you know, went by the tree or something. And uh, then you see his uh, family. They're also gone. And he kind of starts to freak out. Every theater, and I watched this movie three times. Every theater that I was in when you saw his daughter get uh, turned to dust, uh, everybody gasped. And um, my thing about it is, like, why would you, why would you gasp for you? you kind of had a feeling that this was going to happen. Uh, I suppose just seeing it, uh, maybe the casuals were doing it, but like, I already knew they were getting snapped. So, I mean, I kind of like pieced that together with trailer footage and him being, you know, the Ronin character. So back to, uh, you know, jumping back to where I was at before, um, there, everyone is, is, you know, um, Iron Man takes off his, um, his, uh, you know, nanotech uh, arc reactor gives it to Captain America and says, if Thanos comes back, just run because there's nothing you can do. And he calls Cap a liar and he says that uh, that Tony was saying that his whole plan was to have a suit of armor around the world to protect the world in case of something like that. And uh, Cap- Captain said that uh, it didn't matter because they were going to lose together. And um, Tony just felt really like, he, there's a lot of resentment uh, because of what happened at, at the end of Civil War, and, and they weren't together, so they would have been together in New York to uh, to fight off um, Thanos' children, and then they would have been together in Wakanda after they secured Vision, uh, and then they would have defeated Thanos together is kind of what he's saying. So he's kind of saying that it's, it's his fault because of everything in Civil War and everything that happened, so... Um, they they kind of hitch this plan to find Thanos when Rocket reveals that Thanos used the stones again. And uh, the energy surge, they were able to find him in space. And so everyone just kind of bands together to, to go fight Thanos. And uh, they ultimately get to the planet, and Thanos is uh, he's kind of just living his life. He's, um, he's farming, you know, living uh, the life that he said that he wanted at the end of uh and uh infinity war and so um as he's cooking no armor or anything like that he does have the gauntlet in his hand and you do see the damage that the gauntlet uh gave to him at the end of infinity war uh captain marvel just busts in and uh she just takes it to him um and as she's has a uh, thanos in this chokehold keeping his hand away from uh being able to snap um we get the Hulkbuster come through the ground and holds um, Thanos' hand while War Machine busts in through the other side, holding his other hand. And then Thor busts in and chops off um, Thanos' arm. So uh, he loses his arm and in you know 30 seconds, Thanos is he's done. And so um, Captain America, Rocket, and... Uh, Black Widow walk into his little hut and um, Rocket flips over the gauntlet and uh, surprise, surprise, no stones. And they get into this big explanation. Thanos just basically says that uh, he used the stones to destroy them because he didn't want anybody to be tempted to use the stones, including himself, because he did the only thing with the stones that he wanted to do, which was wipe out half of all life on the planet. And with that being said, um, he he talks to Nebula, telling her that he was too harsh on her, 
And then Thor just comes in and with Stormbreaker and chops off Thanos' head. Um, he killed him. He And then right after, he said he went for the head, which got a, a big chuckle. And so within the first act, Thanos is dead. And uh, uh, he, he also explains that the stones, when he destroyed them, almost killed him. So um, two days after him using the stones and almost being... Uh, you know, uh, set you know, uh, dying. As a matter of fact, he he himself was very weak when the Avengers just showed up. So uh, afterwards, we get a fade to black screen, and it's uh, five years later, and we basically see New York and Captain America has his support group, and he's talking to people who lost after the snap. And you you get um, Joe Russo, which is one of the directors of all of these movies. He's in a support group uh, talking about how he lost his husband in the snap. And uh, saying that he was going to go out with this, uh, this other guy again. And how they are repairing their life from the snap. And... Um, the the like the creator of Thanos was also in uh he was one of those Easter eggs that you wouldn't have to expect. I didn't know. Um but he's in the support group as well, so nice little nod that the creator of Thanos was in the movie and uh as part of Captain America's support group and um we also get um the jump from uh New York to San Francisco. We finally get the um, the van from Amen of the Wasp, the end credit scene when Scott gets stuck into the quantum realm. There's just a rat inside the van, and it it you know it's uh walks over some uh, control pieces and it spit shoots Ant Man out of the quantum realm, and he's freaking out, doesn't know where he's at. Um, ultimately, security guard lets him out. Uh, and then he basically goes through San Francisco trying to find out what happens, uh, finds out that he vanished and meets his daughter, who's five years older. So she's not the little girl that we saw in, in the first two Ant-Man movies. And, um, you know, he she tries, she basically tells him what happened. Uh, so we go back to the Avengers compound where uh, Captain America and Black Widow are talking. And Black Widow's talking about uh, a bunch of... Uh, she's talking to a bunch of the Avengers. They're out throughout space and uh, on the planet. And War Machine basically says that, you know, Barton's killing a bunch of criminals. And um, Captain Marvel just says that she wasn't going to be back anytime soon. She is uh, sporting the Carol Danvers haircut from the comics. And um, there was a... Apparently, Okoye said that there was an earthquake that happened underwater... Uh, and that they just let it go. And then uh, Black Widow does kind of say the, did you check it out? And um, Okoye assures her that it's a, it's a, you know, an earthquake underwater and that they take care and they take care of it by letting it go. And a lot of people have speculated on Twitter that that might be like a call uh, straight to Namor and that uh, because Marvel is doing the Namor movie that that would be really, really funny that if that is a call back in the Namor movie that the uh, at the time that they were there, Namor was having his own battle and that that was uh, exactly what uh, ended up happening was, you know, Namor made, had a battle and it created a underwater uh, earthquake. Um, and that 
they just left it and they thought that it was nothing, but it was in fact Namor. So that might be deep, deep cuts later on when the Namor movie comes out. Uh, so uh, Steve Rogers shows up and they start having a chit chat and they find out that Ant-Man shows up. And when Ant-Man shows up, he uh, you know, starts talking about what the quantum realm is and, and how they can go throughout uh, time and get there. Um, so they basically hatch a plan and they go talk to Tony. And Tony is living with Pepper. He has a daughter and Captain America, Black Widow, and Ant-Man show up. They, you know, tell Tony about the time heist that they're that they're trying. And Tony tells him that he's not going to risk his daughter and his wife uh, for everybody else. And so uh, they they move on. Uh, you know, he, he tells them that they can leave. Or they can stay if uh, if they don't talk about it. Um, but he's happy to see them, and um, they end up leaving. And when they leave, they go talk to uh, Banner, who is now Professor Hulk. Um, we saw in a lot of promotional toys that he would be Professor Hulk, uh, but he does say that in the time that they ended up, uh, in the time that they ended up, um, I think it was eighteen months. Uh, he he basically worked to get Hulk and uh, Banner together to where it's Banner's uh, knowledge and Hulk's strength to sit in one vessel, if you will. So um, they basically are trying to work together to uh, try the time heist because, you know, Captain America, he's very, very as much as he's is a patriot, he's kind of stubborn. You know, everybody has that ability to be stubborn. So, uh, he, you know, he wants to fix everything. He wants everything to go back to the way it was. And he, he is able to, um, they, they, you know, have a couple funny spots where they send Ant-Man back, but, uh, the project's failing. And so, um, we get, uh, Tony who shows up after we see him at home where he figures out time travel. And uh, he shows up the Avengers vase, and he um, gives Cap back his shield. It's a very nice moment where he uh, Cap gets his shield back, and you know he he figures out that the little uh, he makes uh, basically a GPS, uh, a time traveling GPS, so they can figure out where they need to go. And uh, you know then we get the the point where um, Rocket and Nebula show up. And uh, War Machine shows up. So they're trying to get a team together to get set time heist going. Uh, and then Rocket and Hulk head out to uh, go get the rest of the team. So they show up to New Asgard. And there we see Valkyrie, who uh, we knew and it got confirmed uh, maybe about a month or two ago that Valkyrie would be in this movie. And we also see... Um, we we get whole I mean we get Thor, and uh, we actually get reintroduced to some of our favorite friends Korg and Meek, who are my favorite characters from uh, Thor Ragnarok. Uh, they survived. Uh, not only did they survive the attack on the ship, but they survived Thanos' snap, and uh, we get them in civilian life because they're just hanging out, living with uh, Thor, who let himself go five years. Uh, spoiler, spoiler, he's got, uh, uh, you know, uh, a tire. He's got a gut. 
and he's let himself go, kind of has the big Lebowski uh, thing, who Tony references in the next scene over, that that's basically uh, what they have going on. And, um, you know, we get real funny uh, Korg uh, interaction with uh, Thor, and Hulk uh, basically tells Thor that, you know, when Hulk was in a bad spot in Thor Ragnarok, he got him out of it, and he was there for his friend. Rocket bribes him with beer, and we get uh, Thor back into the mix. Uh, then we, we jump to Japan, uh, I believe it's Tokyo, where we meet Ronin... Uh, who actually is uh, Hawkeye Barton, and he's basically cleaning up a bunch of bad guys. And by cleaning up, that's the the very loose term, is he is just slaughtering these guys, uh, shooting them, stabbing them, killing them. Uh, Nat shows up and tells him that we have a way to uh, reverse everything to get your family back. And I'm um, sorry I gave, uh, sorry I'm giving you hope really late. And so she gets Hawkeye back. Uh, we go to the compound where uh, Hawkeye takes a test run, and um, he actually goes back to his farm. Uh, he sees the farm, and here's his kids, and he gets transported back, and um, no time passed in front of them, but, uh, you know, in, in Hawkeye's case, you know, he would have been able to see his daughter, uh, but it works. So um, these guys hash out a plan uh, to go into different points of space-time to uh, steal the stones and then make the snap happen. And it, one of the, probably one of the best things that they did is uh, each team went to different uh, points in times. Um, Thor went to the events of... <laughs> Uh, Thor The Dark World, which is the Kevin Smith said that it was the movie that nobody watched, but you're going to watch it this time. Um, Hawkeye, Black Widow, War Machine, and uh, Nebula go to 2014 Guardian Galaxy space uh, where they are searching for the Power Stone and the Soul Stone. And um, the rest of the Avengers, so it would have been Ant-Man, uh, Captain America, Hulk, and... Iron Man uh, show up to 2012 uh, during the fight, um, the Battle of New York. And so we see everything that happens there. You get a bunch of uh, different callbacks. Um, and so uh, Thor, I mean, Hulk goes and talks to, uh, where he goes to the Santorum uh, and he talks to the Ancient One, uh, and ultimately, after a bunch of dialogue, reveals that there it's not one linear timeline, but it's um, it's alternate reality timeline. Uh, so it's multiverse, multiverse theory uh, that they go to different uh, times and um, alternate reality kind of deal. And so they took the stone that uh, he eventually got the time stone. So we end up getting... Um, Ant-Man and Iron Man that go inside, uh, and it's basically the end of the Avengers where uh, Loki asks for the drink, and we end up getting the strike team from Civil War, I mean uh, Winter Soldier, all the Hydra agents and stuff, so they, they take the scepter, and that's how it end, the scepter ends up in the hands uh, in uh, Age of Ultron, and uh, we get the cube as well, so nice callback. To uh, a bunch of older people that you see, like Rumlow and and uh, one of the the 
um, Jasper Sitwell, he was in the first Avengers movie on the helicarrier, and he was uh, the one that they kidnapped in uh, Winter Soldier. And uh, they're in an elevator going down, and he's talking on the phone, and uh, Captain America hits the elevator. So he walks in the elevator, and everyone's freaking out because they thought he was going to do something else. And he, he, and he in fact, um, is saying that he's going to take the scepter because someone's going to steal it. So Remlo tells him that he can't take it, and um, uh, Jasper Sitwell says that he's going to call the director and say, like, "Hey, this is this, you know this is what's going on." And so um, Captain America comes and says, "It's o- it's okay," and he goes up to Sitwell and says, "Hell Hydra." Uh, which is a callback to the, uh, the 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 comic that was very very uh, uh, very very controversial comic where Captain America was a Hydra agent and um, it was a nice nod. So uh, Captain America walks off and um, Tony going down the elevator with everybody goes and we get Alexander Pierce uh, also from Winter Soldier trying to take the Tesseract and uh, Ant Man uh, maneuvers and and helps uh, get the uh, briefcase so Tony can get it and then the Hulk. Comes down the stairs, knocks um, knocks the briefcase back. The the tesseract just flies out right next to Loki's feet. He grabs it and disappears. So uh, we in that timeline, the tesseract's gone. Uh, Tony doesn't know what to do, and uh, Cap runs into Captain America, and he 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 was just uh, he sees himself and he goes, "You got to be shitting me." Uh, so they they get into a fight, a little skirmish, and um, at the beginning of the skirmish, um, he knocks down uh, Cap, and um, he tells him, he's like, I can do this all day, and Cap's like, I know, I know, and so they have their fight, um, and uh, ultimately, Cap gets the uh, staff and uses it on Captain America, so Captain America's out, and uh, side note, when... Um, when Tony Stark was uh, upstairs, he had told um, Cap that that suit that he was wearing in the Avengers did nothing for his ass. And um, Ant-Man goes, uh, as, far, as far as I'm concerned, that's America's ass. And as Captain America is getting the staff, he gets back up. And the 2012 Captain America is laying on the ground and his ass is kind of hanging up. So uh, he looks down and he goes... Uh, that is America's ass and just walks off. And it's just a uh, just nice humor from Cap. Uh, I feel like they let him let loose in this film. Uh, so we get back to um, Thor the Dark World where Thor and Rocket basically uh, see uh, Thor's mom. And he has a conversation with her about what's going on. Rocket extracts the ether from Jane Foster, Natalie Portman, who probably got paid a lot of money to just wake up. Uh, it, I was, uh, I was under the, I mean, she's credited in the film, so she had to, it it couldn't have been past footage, I don't believe. Uh, she's probably in the film just to wake up. She said that she wasn't going to do any more Marvel movies, uh, but she got referenced earlier. Uh, you see her for 10 seconds, maybe at best, and, uh, Rocket gets the ether, and before Rocket and, uh, Thor leave, uh, Thor puts his hand out, and Rocket's just kind of like, what's going on? And Thor gets Mjolnir in 2014, and Thor gets so happy because he's worthy, and then they take off. So then we go back to 2014, uh, Gardens of the Galaxy era, where uh, War Machine and 
um, Nebula are kind of, you know, saying goodbye to, to everybody else so they can go to Vormir to go get the Soul Stone. And so they end up waiting for Peter Quill to get there. But while they're there... Um, in 2014, Thanos is trying to go locate the stones too. So this would have been the events right before, um, Gardens of the Galaxy and, uh, Nebula, um, starts, uh, having kind of like technical difficulties and she kind of, uh, uses her, uh, ability to see what's going, uh, going on with the Nebula from, uh, different past. So Thanos puts two and two together. He goes and, uh, locates, um, Nebula on the planet where the Power Stone is. Then we get the scene from the opening of Guardians of the Galaxy where Peter Quill's dancing and, uh, you know, War Machine just knocks him out. They get the Power Stone. Then they're trying to go back. But Nebula, um, finds out that Thanos knows, uh, that what they're doing and that she's trying to let everybody know, uh, what she was doing. And then Thanos takes her ship so she can't go back. Um, because we need conflict. So 2014 Thanos, where he was getting, you know, uh, he was doing his own thing where he was actually going and fighting and stuff. Uh, we get that part of him. And so, um, Tony Stark and Captain America, you know, are, are going over the fact that they didn't find, or they lost the Tesseract. So they had to go get the Tesseract and more pin particles. So they used the last of the pin particles to go to 1970, New Jersey, uh, the base where Captain America was at in the very first, um, Captain America. It's also the base where he went in, uh, winter soldier. So Tony Stark successfully gets the Tesseract. Um, Captain America successfully gets pin particles, but Tony Stark runs into his dad and has, Kind of like a very uh, interesting talk with him. Uh, Captain America also runs into uh, Peg Peggy Carter, uh, who he sees, and then both of them get out of there. Not before finding out that Tony Stark's dad and his butler named Jarvis, who is voiced by Paul Bettany but not acted by Paul Bettany, if that makes sense to you. Um, and they go back, so everyone uh, gets out or everyone goes back except for. The Soul Stone. So we're on uh, Voromir, and uh, turns out that uh, they find out from Red Skull that someone has to sacrifice himself, and um, they end up. Uh, uh, Black uh, Black Widow was going to sacrifice herself, but uh, Hawkeye uh, did it instead, and then they misdirected, and uh, it was in fact uh, Black Widow who sacrificed herself so that uh, Hawkeye can get the Soul Stone. And boom, um, we lose our first character because Black Widow is uh, dead, sacrificed herself for the Soul Stone, which we, as we know from Gamora in the first Guardians, you can't come back from. And everyone gets back um, except the 2014 Nebula, who is trapped and is getting tortured for information from uh, past uh, Nebula. In front of Gamora. And so um, Nebula gives pin particles to Thanos and uh, replaces herself as the regular Gamora. And we get back to the um, Avengers estate and they use the uh, stones. Everyone finds out about uh, Nat 
and we get the whole um we get the whole part of the arc as we're getting to the third act um Iron Man makes his own uh, gauntlet, which is a nod to the comics as well, where uh, he makes his own Infinity Gauntlet with his Iron Man technology that can sustain the power of the stones. Uh, Thor, I mean, I'm sorry, um, Hulk uh, puts the gauntlet on, snaps everything back to reality. Hulk is out, um, and uh, the gauntlet comes off, and uh, Ant-Man checks. We start seeing nature uh Hawkeye's wife calls him and he's on the phone uh and while that's happening Thanos' ship comes through the uh portal with the um uh through from 2014 uh crashes through the Avengers base uh apparently they probably just don't hear it uh and then as uh Hulk asked if it worked we see a missile hit the Avengers base Ant-Man is wiped. I honestly thought Ant-Man was dead at that point. Um, he survived. All of the Avengers survived. The base just falls on top of him. Uh, everybody gets out. And then Thanos shows up and he sits there. He sits there talking to Gamora, telling her to go find the stone. And he takes off his helmet and he just waits. Uh, ultimately, uh, Iron Man, Thor, and Captain America show up. They start fighting. Uh, and as they're fighting, Thor dual wields, uh, both hammers starts fighting, uh, and everybody just, uh, it's a three-on-one brawl, uh, against Thanos while everyone's trying to get out of the rubble, and there's a point where Captain, uh, Iron Man just gets knocked out by Mjolnir, uh, inadvertently, and, uh, Captain America gets hit, and Hulk is just getting laid out with punches left and right from, um... Thanos, he's just, he's basically using him as a punching bag, and then we see Mjolnir uh, lift up, and as uh, Thanos is so close to um, impaling Thor, uh, he gets hit in the head with Mjolnir, and then it flies back, and it jumps into the hand of Captain America, who's holding Mjolnir and the shield, my theater lost it. I lost it because I'm a big Captain America guy. Uh, and then he's uh, laying it into Mjolnir. I mean, into uh, Thanos. And uh, ultimately, it doesn't work. Uh, Thanos shows up, cracks his shield in half, and leaves him down. And he kind of monologues himself and says, um, throughout his entire his entire time of conquering plants, he wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna be able to. Um, he wasn't going to be able to do anything to anybody. Uh, like, it wasn't personal kind of deal. And he said that he's going to enjoy destroying the planet. Destroying what uh, the Avengers had. And so, you see Thanos' entire arm. He throws everything at, at whatever's left. He has um you know his children he's got the chitari he's got the death riders everything he's throwing at he brings it to the avengers uh iron man's still down thor's still down and uh captain america half broken shield uh tightens it and you can see that his his arm might have been fractured um and cut up um and so he tightens the shield and as he's getting up you you hear uh, somebody on the mic. It's real faint. And then you hear uh, Cap 
saying, uh, you hear the radio again. And he says, uh, hey, Cap, it's Sam. And he says, on your left. And then you see a portal open. And it's uh, it's T'Challa, Shuri, and Okoye. And uh, Sam Wilson flies out. And then you see a bunch more uh, portals opening up. And a port- uh, portal opens up from Titan. So uh, the remaining Guardians show up, Doctor Strange, and then Spider-Man. My first movie theater lost, or both of them lost it when Spider-Man showed up on the screen. Um we get the return of uh, the Asgardians. Uh, I think we get some Ravagers. Uh, we get a bunch of um, we get a bunch of uh, sorcerers that show up. Uh, Pepper shows up in her uh, rescuer uh, armor. Uh, we get a uh, Wasp who shows up. Any and all characters. Uh, Valkyrie shows up as well. Um. Every character, Korg and Meek show up, ready to fight. Uh, anybody that that technically any Avenger had met met up with uh, shows up. We get Giant Man, who uh, uh, Ant Man saves a War Machine, who has different armor, and uh, Rocket as well. And everyone's ready to fight. And then we get a huge pan. Uh, uh doctor strange tells um wong who also shows up he goes is this everybody and wong goes you wanted more which is kind of like a nice fourth wall break of like you you wanted the x-men on top of this kind of like you wanted the fantastic four as well you wanted more characters uh so it's a nice little fourth wall nod that i noticed the second time watching it and um everybody shows up uh thor gets up and iron man gets up and then we waited four Avengers movies, 22 films to hear Captain America say, Avengers assemble. And we get the fight that we've always wanted, the biggest comic book fight. I thought Civil War was the best fight that I had ever seen at that time uh, as far as comic book characters go. But this was just amazing. It was everything that I've ever wanted in a comic book scene. And um, it was just done right everybody throughout the entire time you get all the reunions uh spider-man and uh spider-man and iron man you know embrace they give the hug um quill uh sees gamora uh who is in fact not his gamora um and he's just ecstatic that he sees gamora um iron man sees dr strange and tells him you know um all of those possibilities, you said that this one, he goes, was this the one that you said that we were going to win? And Doctor Strange tells him, um, if I tell you, then then it won't happen. And uh, Tony tells him, well, you better be right. And, uh, you know, we get the huge battle and everything like that. And uh, it gets to the point where, where Thanos, where they're trying to get rid of the gauntlet to get it away from everybody. And uh, Thor- Hulk says... That they need to send it back to the time right after they took the stone so that they won't disrupt alternate realities. And Thanos sees it. So it's just like a keep away with the uh, gauntlet. And it's just uh, everyone's having this huge battle until um, you see Scarlet Witch. She shows up and she is pissed. Because she's attacking Thanos and basically almost ripping him apart. 
and Thanos tells one of his troops to uh, rain fire down on everybody, and they start getting bombarded uh, by the Thanos's warship. It's just raining, uh, uh, yeah, raining fire, and um, everyone, you know, the sorcerers are trying to make shields so that everyone can get protected. Doctor Strange is. Uh, trying to stop the battlefield from getting flooded by the lake that's next to it. And um, the fire, the fireworks stop, uh, you know, the, the, the fire stops. And um, the, the cannons, uh, you know, are aiming up and start taking pot shots and they're taking shots into the clouds. And so um, everyone's asking what they're shooting at. And uh, even Iron Man asks, like, what's going on? And Friday tells him that something entered the atmosphere. And so it's just, uh, you just see this this figure destroy Thanos' warship, and you find out it's Captain Marvel. And um, Captain Marvel, uh, uh, Captain America says, Carol, we need, we need an assist. So Captain Marvel uh, goes to Peter Parker and takes the gauntlet. And uh, Peter goes, and then you see more like an, an, another wave of, of Thanos's basically endless army that's coming. And Peter goes, how are you going to get through all that? And, um, you know, you see all of the female Avengers, uh, you know, get in front and say that she's going to have help and that she's not alone. And it's a very nice odd uh, nod to the A-Force comics, um, the all-female Avengers uh, team, team up comic. And it was very, very nice nod, deep cuts, and uh, ultimately Ant-Man is trying to get the quantum portal um, taken care of, or like active, so that somebody can take the gauntlet into uh, and drop off the uh, drop off the stones, because in the quantum realm, you know, one second would be the equivalent. I mean, like a uh, one hour is the equivalent of one year here. So, you know, um, in there, it, it might take for, it, it might take forever, but out here it doesn't. So, um, Captain Marvel tries to get there and Thanos, uh, destroys the, also, you know, just takes out the van that has the, the quantum realm machine in and, uh, Tony Stark and, um, Thanos just start duking it out and Thor comes, Captain America comes, and he Thanos just takes them all out. You know, they're they're they they have nothing to uh, they have nothing left. And then uh, Captain Marvel shows up, so Carol starts du duking it out with Thanos. He gets the gauntlet on. She's trying to break his finger so he can't snap, and uh, he tries headbutting her, and she just looks at him like that. Don't do anything. Uh, he ultimately takes the power stone out of the gauntlet, puts it in his hand, and then punches her in the face with the full power of uh, the uh, gauntlet. And um, Iron Man is looking at Thanos. Thanos uh, puts the uh, power uh, the power stone back in the gauntlet, and um, you see Doctor Strange is kind of like, you know, he knows he's using his memory. Uh, he kind of like looks at Tony and kind of has his hand up, and then his hands kind of up and he starts bringing his fingers down and shows him one finger and tony looks and uh jumps up to thanos is trying to take the gauntlet off of him and um he gets hit and he looks at tony and says i am inevitable and he snaps his fingers 
And then just like that, you don't see anything. You hear a normal snap. And remember, this is the Iron Gauntlet. This is the Iron Man's Gauntlet. Well, he looks at his hand and none of the gems, none of the stones are in the gauntlet. And then he looks at Iron Man and you can see that the the gems transferred over to Iron Man's uh, suit in which he has... Uh, in which he has the uh, Infinity Stones, and you can see him getting the power and surging through his, uh, surging through him. And then the most epic line that you can give from any superhero at that point was Tony Stark, as he he looks at Thanos and says, "Well, yeah, I am Iron Man," which is a nod to the first uh, cinematic movie that started it all. He snaps his fingers, and then Thanos's troops and Thanos. Um, gets gets dusted you know and uh Thanos sits down looks defeated and he gets dusted uh which is a nice little nod to to what he is and um if you remember right after Thanos used the gauntlet the first time his arm was just singed uh he 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 if you he, he was he almost died and so when Hulk used the the gauntlet he said that uh none of none of y'all are going to survive because he actually could survive. And even when he did use the, the stones to bring everyone back, that was an enormous amount of power that he couldn't take. And it left his arm burned. Thor, you, I mean, uh, Hulk usually heals from stuff like that. Uh, but he, you know, it didn't look like he was healing anytime soon. And so we get Tony Stark. Um, War Machine finds him, uh, just kind of looks at him, and War Machine understands so Peter gets there and he tells him, we won, Mr. Stark, we won. Uh, he's like, can you hear me, Mr. Stark? And he's looking at him and Tony's not responding. Pepper gets there and, and kind of like tells him it's okay. And she looks at Tony. She even asks Friday. Friday says that his uh, um, his vitals are critical or that they're failing. And uh, we get we get Tony... Uh, we get Tony, um, Pepper just kind of looks at him and says, it's okay that we're all going to be okay. And that she said, you did it and it's time for you to rest. Kind of saying that, that we wiped out one of the greatest evils in the universe and, and you did, you did it and, um, that you need to rest. It's, you can rest. It's fine. And so, um, Tony, his, his power, uh, his Arc reactors power uh, powers down, and uh, we lose him, and we see Thor and uh, Captain America crying, and so uh, we kind of um, we kind of uh, see everybody um, going back to where their where their lives were. We see um, you know Black Panther and Wakanda. We see. Um, uh, Ant-Man of the Wasp in San Francisco, you know, we just kind of get people back to where their lives are at. Uh, Hawkeye gets back to his farm and stuff. And then we get a voiceover from Tony Stark and, uh, you know, uh, he's basically talking to, uh, the, the loved ones he recorded before, uh, going into the, before having the time heist. Um, and he looks at his daughter and says, I love you 3000, which is a nod to her telling him that he loved her 3000. And uh, we get uh, a nice um, funeral scene for him where uh, Pepper takes a bouquet of flowers 
and takes his original Iron Man uh, arc reactor that he made uh, when he got out of the uh, cave, or the one he made in the cave, and um, it's when it's a it's a nod to the first Iron Man where he tells her that. Uh, or she told him, as a matter of fact, that uh, proof that Tony Stark has a heart, and um, a lot of people laughed, and and I didn't I didn't feel that as a as a comedic uh, trope in the movie, I, and I felt that it was to make you feel that you know that that was the send off of a character, and I didn't feel and I I I felt that uh, it was more towards geared towards the fact that you know, your favorite character who's been in all these movies for the last 10 years is gone and not necessarily the fact that um, it was put in for a comedic moment in a very, like, emotional part of the movie. And so after that, we uh, we end up getting um, everybody that uh, Tony Stark ever encountered that were, uh, that you know, ever encountered him was all there. You know, Spider Man, Guardians, uh, Captain America, Ant Man. Um, you know, uh, Maria Hill was there, uh, and Captain Marvel was on the steps. And then, boom! Right out of the tail end of everything, even the little kid from Iron Man Three was in there. Um, and then, right after that, you see Nick Fury at the top of the uh, the top of the stairs there, um, and we get that send off. And right after that, we get. Uh, Thor saying that, you know, he gives, uh, he basically makes Valkyrie queen, runs off with the guardians, the as guardians of the galaxy. And, uh, so, you know, we we're there and, um, we get, uh, Hulk, Captain America, Sam and, uh, winter soldier. So Bucky, uh, getting ready to return the stones back to their, uh, timelines. And then, uh, Cap's gonna come back. So he goes into the quantum realm, takes Molnir, and then three seconds, uh, five seconds later, he's supposed to come back out, but he does not come out, saying that he missed his timestamp. So then it turns out everyone's freaking out, trying to get him back, trying to find out what happened. And I thought they were gonna go the Lost in Time storyline. Uh, there's one of the comic storylines, I believe, where. Uh, he is stuck in a like a uh, time trance, uh, fighting uh, Red Skull for eternity. He just gets trapped in time, and um, Bucky sees someone sitting down. He calls Sam, and then Sam finds uh, someone sitting, and he asks if it's Cap, and it's seventy-year-old uh, Captain America, and he's talking to Sam. And he basically hands the mantle off and says that um, I put the stones back and I was going to come back. But, um, you know, I, I listened to what Tony said and I got a life. And uh, he hands the shield off and says, uh, you can be Captain America kind of deal. And he sees a ring on his finger. And uh, Falcon asks if uh, you want to talk about her. And he says, no, I don't think I don't think I, I don't think I do. And so uh, you get the Captain America send-off. And the the tail end of the movie is uh, 1940s Captain America with Peggy Carter dancing in the front of the living room of their home, presumably. And uh, Captain America finally got that last dance 
you know, um, eight years after uh, he told uh, Peggy Carter about the dance, and you get that nod, um, and that's Captain America signing off. So you don't get the death of Captain America, uh, but you do get his send off, and uh, you know he deserved it. He he lived his life, and um, a lot of people are, are having. Hard time trying to realize that that Captain America basically just went into a different timeline, lived the, his life there with Peggy Carter, and then uh, once she passed away or once he lived out his life where she was no longer there, he just uh, teleported back to a time – or he, he went into a different time area in which um, he knew he needed to be to hand off the mantle. Um and and that's it. That's your that's your movie, and uh, so we're getting Spider Man Far From Home, uh, is in July, and that I don't know I don't know how you how you uh, ten years you know so many arcs, uh, three phases, and where do you where do you go from here? How do you top the greatest superhero movie of all time? Because it ain't Dark Knight, not anymore. Um. Uh, so how do you top this? Uh, we'll probably find out in another 10 years. And hopefully you guys will be listening 10 years later. But that's kind of like my take on this. Um, did y'all guys have any any um, any things, any characters you thought were going to die? Any of your favorite parts? Please let me know. I want to figure out everything that you guys enjoyed about the movie because we're moving on from MCU and we're going to Game of Thrones. And I mean, um, I don't know how everyone emotionally was feeling after Endgame, but, you know, I watched it Thursday, Friday, and Saturday and knew that I could have watched it Sunday, but I needed to mentally prepare myself for Game of Thrones, Episode 3, The Long Night. Um, I just want to get out of the way right now. Before I even start this. Spoilers, again, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. If you haven't seen the episode, go watch it. Uh, I just finished watching it again for the second time. I need to make notes. And um, I just want to go out of my way and saying that the one thing that I saw the most that most people online were complaining about, the Twitter and the Facebook and the memes and stuff, was that it was dark. Yes, it was dark. People couldn't see. People couldn't figure anything out. And my whole deal about that is uh, Colin Hanks uh, on on Twitter posted um, – and I, I will give him credit because that's where I got this take from. And I enjoyed it, so I wanted to include it. And um, he said that, yes, it's dark and it was hard to see, but that's the point. The point was to give you, the audience, the intent on you were there. And that's how it would look like if you were there. It wasn't like the Battle of Helm's Deep where you had this humongous light from the moon and you got to see everything and and it was, it was there. Um, no, this is gritty. This was dark. It, you needed to feel claustrophobic and it needed to feel inevitable because it was a nightmare experience to be there. So... Um, you know, straight off, we start off with, with Sam, um, him walking around, him trying to get to where he needed to get to, everybody getting ready for battle, everyone getting set for everything. 
And uh, we get the return. The return of Melisandre. Seconds before battle. She literally showed up last minute. And um, she gets there and and uh, she talks. She sees Jorah. And she talks to him about uh, if he knew the language of the Dothraki. And uh, she tells him to tell them all to lift up her swords and goes and touches one of the rider's swords and casts a spell. And his flame, his uh, sword just ignites like Beric, like Beric Dondarrion, how he lights a sword. Um, this, uh, this person's sword lights up and then you get this amazing shot of all of the swords, all of the Dothraki swords just igniting and it's just this huge flame that just goes across and it was one of several several cinematic shots this episode that were just so amazing one thing that i that i've loved about these last couple of episodes uh, seasons of game of thrones is that the cinematography is just amazing and i feel that these guys can be doing movies uh especially cinematographers they could be out there uh, doing Marvel movies or Mission Impossible movies or Fast and Furious or whatever, what have you, any Oscar kind of movie or anything like that. But they're doing it on Game of Thrones. They want to make this the best experience that you can get, and they're doing it. It's just it's it's crazy. Um, so we get uh, that shot of all of the flames getting there, um, and and John and Danny uh, are on this. Uh, want to call it like a cliff, a mountainside, and they can see everything. They can see all of Winterfell, and from their perspective, you see all of the uh, igniting swords. And this is like boost of morale to the to the Dothraki, and um, we see Ghost. He's Ghost comes back. He's actually next to Jorah, and um, we we basically see him on in the front line. Can you believe that? Uh, uh, a dire wolf on the front line in the vanguard. They're about to attack whites. Why is Ghost there? He should be protecting people in the crypts. He should be protecting Bran. Why is he on the front line? That means he's going to be the first to die. And this is one of those things that just I did not enjoy about the whole episode. Um, they're crazy. D&D, you're crazy. Um so Jorah leads the charge with the Dothraki, and you get this amazing visual. Again, cinematography being great, you get a bunch of uh, a bunch of uh, flaming swords heading out uh, to battle, and um, they're they're riding, they're riding, and then they just get you see all the whites, and they start attacking, and uh, from. The Unsullied's perspective, from Grey Worm's per perspective, you see all of the uh, flames, the swords that had flames on them, you see them getting extinguished. So you see them in the night and uh, the flames just start going and, and you start hearing less of them fighting and um, you see nothing. Um, it's just, again, more great visuals. You see it, you see it uh, going out and... Um, Uh, Daenerys tries to walk away from Jon and Jon holds her to say like hey we have a plan in motion the Night King's coming he's part of our plan and uh, she just saw her Dothraki just basically get swarmed and uh, she says the dead are already here so she gets on top of uh, of Drogon and she enters the fray and we see the we see the whites um, they start they, they come and attack 
they attack the Unsullied. They uh, they attack everybody who's still outside the castle, and and um, they just get overrun by whites. You just see a swarm of whites just jumping over the Unsullied, and um, then uh, everyone, uh, Jamie, uh, Gendry, the Hound, Barrack, everyone who's out in the front lines, uh, everyone gets overrun by the whites until John and Danny start laying down some uh, dragon fire, helping out. You know. Uh, Kind of evening up the odds, if you will, and um, and and then instead of just taking care of some of these whites, John gets a little greedy because he ends up seeing some of the White Walkers that are um, that are just sitting on their horses at the end of the last episode, how we just saw them riding up, um, and he tries to take a shot. He tries to lay down some fire and kill them so some of the whites can uh, can die. And then uh, John falls into the trap because a big Arctic burst, like a, uh, a winter frost trap, if you will, comes out from the woods and and hits the dragon. Um, just a bunch of Arctic wind, and um, you know it's it's kind of like a mini blizzard. You can't see anything, and uh, it it keeps kind of the um, White Walkers protected. And it uh, it comes towards uh, the front lines, and um, everyone just starts fall, falling back into the castle. Every, everyone who's getting overrun, um, Sam Sam ends up uh, getting overrun, and uh, Ed uh, basically saves Sam and tells him to get up. And when he tells him to get up, he pulls him up and immediately gets stabbed from behind. Uh, and then Sam runs away, uh, because, you know, that's Sam the Slayer, so Ed dies saving Sam, I don't know how many people have died saving Sam throughout this entire series, um, it didn't matter, uh, you know, he was the first death, major death, uh, that we saw, uh, and then, so everybody falling back to the castle, um, Grey Worm and the Unsullied protecting the retreat, and um, Arya giving, telling Sansa to go to the crypts, and Sansa didn't want to. He, uh, she gives her a dragon, dragon glass blade, and tells her, uh, you know, to use this or to hold on to this. And Sansa telling her, I, I don't know how to, I don't know how to use this. And uh, a nod from season one when Jon tells Arya, stick him, just stick him with the pointy end. Uh, was nice little uh, deep cuts from season one. And. Uh, uh, Grey Worm and the Unsullied still holding off um, all the whites who are just swarming through everybody. And um, they have a trench that's there that Danny's supposed to light with dragon fire. And um, she can't see the signal that Davos is supposed to give to her because of the Night King's mini blizzard, if you will. And so... Um, Melisandre is looking at Grey Worm. They they share uh, eye contact, and then we get some of the Unsullied basically just um, making a shield uh, around her, a little perimeter, and getting her to the trench. And so uh, Melisandre... The same spell as she cast on Darth Raki swords, she's trying to cast it on the trench. 
And so she's repeating the spell over and over and over, just kind of like how when she brought John back to life, um, she's just repeating it over and over again. And we actually, while she's saying it, there's a bunch of whites just attacking. And, you know, the Hound and Beric and uh, Jorah and Grey Worm, they're all defending her. Uh, and uh, Arya is using her bow. She's shooting uh, whites as well. And... Uh, Melisandre starts noticing because you can see it on her face that her eyes are, 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 you know, they're getting distracted. Her peripheral vision, she's seeing whites get close and then get knocked down. And so you hear it in her voice. Um, the actress who played her, fantastic job. You hear it in her voice that she's just having um, anxiety. She's, she's scared. The, you can hear the fear in her voice. She's trying to get the trench lit up. And as you see one of the whites you know, beat, make a beeline for her. He jumps. And right when he jumps, uh, the, the trench just gets ignited and the, and the white just gets burned up and, um, everyone, uh, you know, goes back inside and you see, you see it, the trench get ignited from the sky, from, um, John's, uh, perspective. And it's a great, again, cinematography, just so great, uh, an establishing shot of just that trench just getting lit up. It is amazing. Um, I, I'm, I'm not going to stop, you know, uh, kissing ass of the cinematographer in this episode. It's so amazing. And, um, that, that, that great shot of the trench getting ignited was just, it, to me, it was just phenomenal. Um, and right after that, we get the first appearance of the Night King. You hadn't seen him at, at, at all this episode. Uh, probably, we're probably like 20 minutes in at this point. And, um, the Night King, they they uh, CGI'd his his eyes so where they were blue, but you got uh, you you got the moon and the the stars behind him while he's on riding on top of Viserion, and the 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 snow and the wind is kind of like going through his face, so it's kind of like masking his face, so you see more of his eyes, and he raises his hand. It's probably like one of the first commands that you've ever seen him give, and he basically has the whites jump on the trench and uh basically use their body to stop drop and roll kind of on the fire uh so that they can uh pass through uh so the sacrifice of maybe five or six whites gets the rest of the whites to charge the castle and at at that point it uh the whites basically sacrifice himself so they can siege the castle and at this point uh the hound uh, kind of has a little bit of PTSD at this point. He 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 doesn't. He thinks it's a losing battle. He thinks it's inevitable. He thinks they're all gonna die, and he's just kind of freaking out, kind of like how he did in the uh, Battle of Blackwater, or um, you know, I, I suppose that would have been the biggest battle at that point for him. Um, and so you you basically you feel what the what the Hound says. And so we get basically a few minutes of, of White see, uh, sieging the castle um, and everyone going to the wall to defend it. Uh, we get Jamie fighting um, and Jamie gets overrun. So Brienne comes and helps him and you get a nice visual of them fighting side by side, uh, which is always nice uh, to see those characters fighting together. Um, and then we... Um, as as everything's uh, sieging, uh, a giant kicks open the gates of Winterfell, 
And right there is everyone's favorite bear, uh, you know, uh, little bear queen, Liana, who gets swatted aside by this this humongous, um, this humongous giant. And at first, I thought, man, she's dead. Like you don't get swung with uh, a huge uh, piece of wood by a giant and live. And um, what actually happens is she gets up. And grabs uh, something and charges. She grabs a, a small little axe and charges the um, charges um, the giant. And the giant grabs her by with one hand and picks her up. And you can hear him crushing her bones. And uh, you know she he's he opens his mouth to uh, to basically rip her in half. And she pulls out a, a dragon glass dagger and pokes them in the eye, and they both fall down and die. Uh, so, our second major death, Liana Mormont, uh, dies killing a giant. What other way do you want to go out? I mean, other than you know killing the Night King, I suppose. But like, she went out like a she went out like a like a beast, basically. Um, we get a shot of the dragons flying over the clouds. Uh, and you get this really nice shot of, of the moon and the stars uh, above them. And we basically get a dragon battle. Uh, Night King versus Danny and John. And right after that comes one of the most intense scenes of the episode, in my opinion. Uh, we get Arya walking into some part of, of the uh, castle. Uh, before that... Uh, Arya starts going off, to be honest. Um, when the Hound has his uh, PTSD right before, uh, or right after Lyanna dies, um, Beric Dondarrion's telling the Hound that, you know, we can still fight this. Come on, we need you, we need you. Um, and uh, the Hound saying that's inevitable, and if he doesn't realize it. Um, and then we just see Arya going to town. She's killing her kill count is just she she's like in a uh you know um using the um, the weapon that gendry made her uh she's basically just like dynasty warriors and she's taking it to everybody uh killing several whites and um when the hound is dealing with the ptsd Beric uh sees Arya and says why don't you tell her that it's inevitable and that the fighting's not worth it. And uh, he sees Arya. And uh, she kind of like gets away and, and hides. And then the Hound gets up and, and, and heads out. And so when we see Arya again, she's in walking inside of a library. And she's hiding. And uh, she's just trying to take, get her breath. She's trying to, uh, to take, um, just trying to get a breather. Because, you know, she's fighting nonstop without rest. And um, I, I felt that it was a great scene because it slowed down the pace of all the action and you got suspense. You got thrills. Um, how many times have you seen a slasher flick where someone's trying to hide and, and you feel scared because you, you the audience, think there's no way she's going to – there's no way she's going to stay alive. Uh, he's going to catch her. He's going to catch her and how you feel when you have to hide. Your heart's beating. Your heart's racing. And so that's how it is with Arya. Uh, it slows down. It's it's a bunch of anxiety and suspense, 
which is a nice pace for the episode because everyone thought it was just going to be a bunch of action. And uh, there's a part where she's hiding and and one of the uh, whites, uh, she hides under a table, but her blood is dripping. So the whites somehow hear this because the whites, even skeleton whites, can hear. So one of the whites comes and looks down under the table, doesn't see her, and then Arya goes behind a bookshelf, and then when she turns the corner, she sees another girl, and then you get the Arya shocked face, and then you hear something get plunged. And for a split second, you thought Arya just got stabbed in the library. Like, she's dead. And um, the camera turns, and it's Arya with the dragon glass dagger inside the white's mouth, killing the white. And it was a big misdirect. The first time I saw it, I thought she died. I thought she got stabbed. And it was like, well, there you go. You tried to be sneaky, and you didn't. You didn't make it. Uh, ultimately, she did survive. And... Um, we we get Arya sneaking out of the library and um we the next thing we get is the hound and um Beric walking around corridors that are quiet after Arya's running away and then we see a door burst down and it's Arya and one of the whites on top of her and she doesn't have a weapon at this point and Beric Dondarrion throws his flaming sword to hit one of them and the hound starts fighting as well with his uh with the axe that he has and Beric grabs Arya and kind of like picks her up and gets stabbed in the leg the calf um and uh he puts Arya down the hound just kind of runs and picks her up and says we gotta go and uh throughout that entire scene Beric's getting stabbed here and there and ultimately, Beric uh, Dondarrion sacrifices himself to save Arya and make sure that her and the Hound get out safely. So we lose our third character. Beric Dondarrion died, um, saving Arya. Uh, they make it inside. Uh, all three of them technically make it inside uh, uh, one of the halls of Winterfell where Beric Dondarrion you know, uh, succumbs to his injuries. They lock the door. And inside is Melisandre. And Melisandre and Arya get the re reunion. And Arya's like, I know who you are. Uh, you said we would meet uh, meet again. And she goes, well, and here we are. And she said, uh, you said I'm gonna, I was going to close a bunch of eyes. Uh, and she goes, uh, brown ones, uh, green ones, and blue ones. And um, it's kind of interesting because if you... It's somebody on Twitter last night had posted something where it was a chart of the people that matter that she killed. So if you look at Walter Frey, he had brown eyes, and those would have been the eyes that she had closed. And the Night King, um, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Cersei has green eyes. So, I mean, there's a possibility that she could close those. And um, then you hear the door break down. Or not necessarily break down, but get, uh, I suppose, get knocked on and banged on. Uh, the whites are trying to break down the doors. And so the Hound and Arya are looking at the door, and um, Melisandre looks towards Arya and says, What do we say to the god of death? And then Arya looks back and says, Not today. And that's a callback to season one, Cyril Pharrell telling her, you know, to go. Uh, to get out of here because she's not going to die in there with the Hound and, and Melisandre. Uh, 
Um, so we get the dragon fight with the Night King and John. They start uh, they start attacking each other in the sky, and uh, lots of damage to Viserion and to um, to Rhaegal. And uh, Danny comes and 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 makes sure that the Night King falls. And uh, John also falls, and uh, Danny's trying to recover to find John, and she finds the Night King instead. So she burns his ass. Uh, she says Jokaris, and and uh, you get the Targaryen music in the background, and uh, John's running to the flame to make sure the Night King is dead, and uh, he just basically like once the flames settle, he looks up and he kind of smirks at her. Like, if he knew that that wouldn't have worked, but uh, he let her do it anyways. And then he grabs the staff, uh, you know, the javelin, basically, the ice javelin, and tries to throw it at her again, um, missing. And um, I have a quick take on, on why the the Night King didn't get burned by Danny. If you remember back to season four... Um, I'm sorry, season five. Um, you get that scene where you see how um, the Children of the Force created the first White Walker, which would have most likely be the White the the Night King. Um, she she puts dragon glass in him, so obsidian, and dragon glass is made from dragon fire at this point, and so. Um, my take is that because he was made of Dragonfire, he was immune to Dragonfire. And that only uh, Valyrian still could have killed him. So, um, after that happens, uh, John looks at the Night King and they're face to face. And John has his uh, sword out and he's kind of looking at the Night King. And the Night King just basically picks up his hands again just like in Hardhome and John knew what was coming so John starts charging him and uh some of these bodies start you know uh twitching and start getting ready to get up and then by the time John gets to the Night King all of these people are up and he is trapped and uh the Night King just kind of looks at John and turns his back and walks away and then the whites start attacking John and uh you know, I, I don't think it was a trap, but I think it was kind of like the Night King was kind of like, you're not even worth my time. Uh, and let's John go. Um, so uh, everyone got resurrected, not just, uh, you know, everyone who had died, uh, I suppose, uh, up to including that time in the battle. Uh, little Liana Mormont uh, came back. Uh, Ed came back. Um, you know, the... Um, the Blood Rider, that was the Blood Rider that uh, um, was the head of the Dothraki, basically. Uh, Daenerys' uh, guy had got back up. And um, while Jon was getting attacked, Daenerys comes and rescues him. Uh, Drogon comes and burns everybody, and then he tells uh, Danny that Bran's in danger. So she tells him to go. And when that happens, Drogon gets overrun by Whites. And he gets stabbed. Uh, he gets... Um, damaged and Danny falls down. Well, while that happens, uh everyone who is inside the uh gate kind of notice uh you know Jamie and and Grey Worm, they notice all the whites, uh all the people who died, their troops getting resurrected by the Night King. 
And then the they're like, well, oh shit, you know, because now you're taking on all of these people that were helping you try to defeat the same people. And um, then you get this really good shot of the uh, the the broken down doors of of Winterfell, and then you see twelve White Walkers uh, all walking in. They're just kind of like doing their own power walk, getting in. And um, then we we cut to the crypts. The Crips of Winterfell, everyone's just being safe. And guess what? The Crips, you know, uh, Night King resurrected people. And then the everyone in the Crips getting attacked by whites. Um, so the Crips are not safe. Whoever thought that was a good idea, John or uh, Sansa or, or Arya, that plan horribly failed. Um, so afterwards... Uh, while this is going down, uh, the Ironborn are protecting Bran, uh, Theon, and some of the Ironborn just using uh, bows and uh, basically fending off any white that comes. They are like, igniting them on fire um, and keeping them away from Bran because that was Theon's uh, doing. Um, and um, John uh, enters Winterfell and Runs by everybody who's getting swarmed. Sam's getting swarmed. Grey Worm, Jorah, I mean, uh, Jorah, um, uh, Jamie, Podrick, uh, Brienne, um, Gendry, Tormund, all of them getting overrun, but he can't stop for them. He has to get to Bran. He has to get to the Night King. So it's kind of like he's letting these people uh, try to handle it themselves uh, for the greater good. He's kind of, you know, there's uh, the bigger threat. Uh, if he gets to him in time, you know, maybe everybody dies, uh, you know, all the whites die. So he's kind of doing it. Uh, he's got a, a bigger role to play. And so is it kind of like one of those things where you're sacrificing your best friend? In any other case, he would have saved Sam. Uh, but it's kind of like, I need to do this to end this kind of deal. Um, so we get the one shot of, of John running through the, the castle trying to get there. Um, and um, we get uh, Danny by herself. Uh, picking up, I mean, uh, basically gonna get overrun by whites, and Jorah shows up and defends her. And while Jorah's defending uh, Danny against everybody, he takes a couple of hits, and uh, Danny picks up a uh, dragon glass. And her and Jorah side by side from season one, episode one, they're uh, you know, uh, we're there, and and Jorah ends up dying. He gets uh, stabbed. He gets succumbed by his injuries. Uh, he protects Danny, and he he basically dies uh, the way that um, Barristan Selmy would have died if he was alive. So Barristan Selmy is alive in the books. He died in season five in Marine, and um, I'm sorry, season four Marine. Yeah, he he died uh, uh, in the streets of Marine, and he's alive in the books. So bo uh, book readers were. Not happy that that happened, but, um, you know, uh, Jorah dies, so that's a, a major death number four, and uh, when that happens, we get a we get a very, very intense score as the Night King and the White Walkers uh, start walking up to Bran, and all the Whites that are around Bran stop, uh, Theon's out of arrows, he's using a, a, staff, a staff at this point, or a spear to uh, take down the whites that are trying to kill him and leave Bran undefended. 
And um, as as the Night King is looking at Bran and Theon, uh, the Night King takes one step forward and Bran looks at Theon and says, you're a good man, Theon. And uh, Theon, you can, he starts crying. He can, you can tell that he knows that his time's up. Um, he takes a staff and he charges at the at the Night King. Uh, the Night King catches the the staff like he's Michael Myers, breaks it in half, uh, impales Theon, and watches him die in, at his feet. And then he ke- keeps walking forward. And while Sam's crying and everyone's getting overrun and literally getting stabbed slash bitten and uh, anything that you can think of, John is in um, trapped by by uh, Viserion. He's blowing blue flame everywhere, and John can't get to the God's Wood because the dragon's keeping him from getting there. Um, Theon dies, uh, saving uh, Bran. So the Night King gets all the way to Bran and looks at him. Bran basically knowing that it's over. Uh, the Night King starts picking up his hand to grab his uh, sword. And then we see one of the White Walkers' hair move. And he looks to the side to see what it, what it is. And... Out from the black behind it, you see Arya jumping with uh, uh, Longpaw to try to stab the Night King. And the Night King, I don't know what you can say about this guy's reflexes, but he turns and catches Arya with his right hand, uh, stopping her uh, with his right hand, stopping her from getting, uh, stopping him from getting stabbed with his right and choking her with the left. And in a callback. From the previous season, in season 7, Arya lets go of Longpaw with her left. And the Night King notices that she drops is dropping Longpaw. And with her right, she catches it and impales the Night King with Valyrian steel. Killing the Night King and breaking, um, breaking down. Uh, thus letting all the White Walkers die. And um, having all the whites die. Um, so Arya slays the Night King. She technically used her training because she used her training to sneak up on the Night King. But her, her training failed because the Night King knew that something was coming. Uh, when I saw bef- – when I, I had a, a quick second to – because it all happened so fast. So I had a quick second to think that what was going by the – you know – um, the White Walker whose hair moved, I honestly thought it would have been like uh, an arrow or a spear getting thrown at him and that Bran would have killed him with Longpaw. Like Arya would have got to him quicker and, and, and gave it to him or something. Um, or just the fact that I thought he was just going to get hit with an arrow or a spear that Arya threw. Um, or she could have threw the dagger and that was what went by the White Walker. Um but nonetheless, Arya is the one who did it. Uh, it's funny because there's a callback to um, to when someone says no one can slay the Night King, and you don't think about it uh, that you know she uh, Arya basically is no one. Um, so we get all of that, and right at the tail end, we get uh, the Hound and Melisandre walking out of a room, and Melisandre just starts walking, 
and she walks out of the door and onto the battlefield and walks past all the dead bodies and, and everything. And we get Davos pull, getting ready to pull out a sword to execute her. And she starts taking off layers of clothes and she takes off her um, her necklace, which is a glamour, which is a, a callback to the books. Uh, and that's how, you know, if anybody remembers season uh, six, uh, Danny, base, uh, she basically takes off her... Um, she basically takes off her glamour and reveals, you know, her an old lady, and she basically falls down and dies uh, before the morning because earlier in the episode she told Davos not to execute her because she's going to be dead by the morning anyways. And um, that's that's it. That's your episode three, um, which is called The Long Night. Everyone just knew it as the Battle of Winterfell. Uh, in case anybody who wanted to figure out more about this episode... Game of Thrones posted a 45-minute documentary, small little documentary on HBO now. It's on their actual – it's on their official YouTube as well if you guys go check that out and basically uh, talks about just being able to film for that one episode. Um, And as as most of you all know, the HBO Go app crashed several times on Sunday, just uh, everyone trying to watch this episode. Uh, the memes are insane. Arya's getting MVP recognition, just things like that. Um, it's fun. Uh, needless to say, it's, it's ridiculously fun. And um, that that's it. That's, uh, that's kind of like my first, uh, or uh, I guess it's like my first official Game of Thrones episode review. So... Um, I don't know. I uh, I mean, there's only three more episodes left. Uh, remember that they are an hour and 20 minutes each. So we basically have four hours of Game of Thrones. So kind of like four episodes, three really long episodes. And, um, you know, everybody was... Uh, I won't say everybody, but a lot of people are kind of mad that the Night King died, uh, you know, one foul swoop in this episode. Um, but it, it's Game of Thrones, you have every, uh, you know, it's a misdirect from Game of Thrones to say that that the bad guy, the main, the major villain, is not this mystical, magical n- white zombie, go like snow zombie. It's you know everyone who thought, oh, it's the politics, it's the backstabbing, it's the queen, it's the human on human conflict. That is Game of Thrones. That's what Game of Thrones is. It has nothing to do with the Night King. Uh, it's 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 people. Your your main villain is people who have motives, who have agendas, and Cersei being the most ruthless of it all, there will be a battle at King's Landing. Um, So I wouldn't be surprised if that was episode five, is another battle. So um, we'll see see where all that goes. Um, I've been running really long this episode. So um, I've... I've come and done two podcasts in seven days. Uh, really, really busy week for everything. Um, also, uh, wanted to say that as of right now, Avengers uh, Endgame broke a billion dollars over the weekend and possibly will be at $2 billion by next weekend. Uh, and then it needs another $700 million, uh, $700 million to break the all-time uh, box office. Um, as of right now, I don't think the movie opened up in Russia yet, so there's still that. Uh, I talked to several people this weekend as of Saturday and today. Uh, they still haven't seen the movie. There's a lot of people who hadn't gone out to go see that movie. And, um, 
you know, it's it's uh it's it's getting there. I mean, by next weekend it'll probably break Titanic and be number two all time. Uh, but can it be number one? We have no idea. I know. Um, I know several people who have already seen it more than me, and I've already seen it three times. Uh, might do number four one more time. Not too sure. Uh, but you know, it's 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 insane how how amazing the movie is, and um, just how much it's just destroying the box office. It's breaking all kinds of records. Um, but I mean, for everyone who waited uh, ten years and twenty two movies to find out what happens. I mean, it's just kind of like one of those things that you have to experience. As a moviegoer, it's great. Um, and it kicks off summer, the summer movies. There's literally nothing that's coming out for the next two weeks uh, except Detective Pikachu. But I'm sure people are still going to go watch Avengers. Um, so for sure next week I'll be back with Game of Thrones Episode 4 um, review next Monday or Tuesday. Uh, let me know if you guys enjoyed the episode. Remember, it's okay that it's the episode's dark. That's everyone's complaints. Um, cinematography was great. Score was awesome. Um, a lot of people were mad that there was just a big battle and there wasn't a bunch of narratives. Game of Thrones fans can't be happy. Casual fans of Game of Thrones can't be happy because they want politics. When the politics get too boring, they want fights. And when the fights uh, get ridiculous and over the top and humongously war... Uh, they want politics again, or they want dialogue, or they want you got that in the first two episodes. The first, the, I was seeing people online for the first two episodes saying that it was boring. There was no conflict. There was no nothing. It was a bunch of dialogue, a bunch of setup. Then you get the episode where all the setup pays off, and then everyone's mad that there's no dialogue. It's that's what a battle is. So just like everything, you can't make everybody happy. Uh, but at the end of the day, it was um. It was it was a uh, it was a good weekend. Uh, just don't be like the kid uh, that I was um, had the misfortune of sitting behind at my third viewing of Avengers. I was uh, sitting next to two of my friends, and then this uh, lovely couple that was I was talking to uh, before the movie. And there was a kid who was sitting behind us who couldn't be quiet. His mom, I counted, I started counting. His mom shushed him twenty seven times. In three hours. Because he couldn't be quiet during narrative of a movie. And then afterwards, he started clapping. The mo- Like, granted, the movie's good, but, I mean, you clap at the end of the movies? I mean, it's 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 Avengers Endgame. It's not The Godfather, you know? Uh, it's not Gone with the Wind or anything like that. It was It's just Avengers. Um, you know, I he's probably going to be one of those people to grow up that claps when his plane lands. So, um, that just don't be that guy. Don't spoil anything for anybody. Don't be those people because, uh, you can, you can enjoy the medium of, of TV and movies without spoiling it for everybody. Uh, there's some people out there who don't care. They don't give a shit if you spoil anything. My wife's one of those people. I can spoil anything for her and she'll still go watch it or she won't watch it. Um, you can still have an experience, but, um, I, I like to, I like to be able to experience everything. If you tell me, oh, Tony Stark dies at the end of Endgame, you know, then I, then my mind doesn't enjoy it for what it is, not knowing what's happening because at the tail end, I know what's going to happen. Uh, it's like somebody ruined, um, 
episode seven saying that uh, Kylo was uh, spoilers. If you haven't seen Star Wars episode seven, um, somebody ruined uh, the fact that Kylo was uh, Han and Leia's son. And but right before I went and watched the movie and the movie came out Thursday, I didn't watch it till Sunday. I just couldn't get around to seeing it. And um, that was when I was like, all right, cool. Never again. Anything I want to watch that I care about, I'm getting Thursday night tickets kind of deal. And that was kind of like how it happened. So um, I hope y'all stuck around. This is a really long podcast. Hopefully, uh, however y'all are listening to me, uh, whether it's on your way home, while it's at work, while you're cleaning, however you listen to me, um, hopefully you enjoyed today's episode. I will be back next week with more Game of Thrones and anything else that happens. Uh, Thank you, thank you, thank you for everybody who listens and supports the podcast. Uh, I actually tried to get uh, some friends up here with me and uh, to do to get their uh, take on the movie and the episode. Um, I'm trying to bring some guests on and trying to see if I can get there. Um, Trying people's schedules are very conflicting with mine uh, because I'm on different side of the continent. I mean, on different sides of the, the nation. Uh, and I'm just trying to make sure that I get you guys what you need. So, um, I hope you guys have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. Thank you for continuing to listen and to support the podcast. Y'all guys have a good one. I will see you later until next time. Peace.